We'll turn our attention uh, outwards for a while, Ian. Uh, look at stories that are going on in other parts of the world. Jonathan de Burke Butler joins us once again. Sure. Afternoon, Jonathan. How are you getting on? Uh, right. Uh, the uh, Belgium, we're going, to, uh, we're going to first, well, sort of Belgium, uh, but uh, it's more to do with the DRC. This is about a tooth that's being returned. Yes, a, a gold tooth uh, specifically. A, a little bit of context, if I can. So mm. you, you, you know Patrice uh, Lumumba, or yeah. you know of him. Um, yeah. He was the first prime minister, not president, but first prime minister of the Republic of the Congo. That's what it was called back then. Uh, it's now called the Democratic Republic of the Congo, of course. And um, Lumumba, as I said, was the first democratically elected prime minister after they got their independence in 1960. Now, when they got their independence, to be honest with you, it was pretty much chaos straight away. So there was lots of various different states that were trying to break away from the from the Republic of the Congo, uh, and they an awful lot of them have the the, resport, the support of the Belgians who were at that stage leaving. They used to mm-hmm. look, I nearly said look after the place, right? So they, <laughs> they used to have a tyrannical reign over that particular part of the world. And the stories about their uh, their tyranny is, is well known, right? So anyway, even when they were leaving, some of them still clung on. There was an awful lot of um, uh, exploration companies that were staying in, in regions of the Republic of the Congo. They had an interest there. And so mercenaries and various different troops came in and helped that cessationist state to break away from the new Republic of the mm-hmm. Congo, okay? So, anyway, to cut a long story short, Patrice Lumumba uh, was uh, caught up in a coup, right? He had asked the Russians to come in and help him. There was various different people around that time who weren't particularly happy about that, including the Americans. Obviously, the Belgians being allies of the Americans weren't particularly happy about it either. And Lumumba was uh, well, ousted. The, Amer- <coughs> the Americans weren't particularly helping at the time anyway. Oh, they no. were, yeah. I mean, I mean, they didn't want the DRC to break up or anything, and they weren't necessarily interested in those cessationist states having any power. But they certainly didn't want the commies coming in, yeah. and uh, and and so you know the minute he did that, uh, he was he, there was a target on his back, and and sure enough, the Belgians really followed through on it. Okay, so they were the ones, or at least they certainly aided um, his capture, his torture, and his execution, and they got rid of his body. Uh, they they got rid of it completely. Yeah. Uh, to be honest with you, and all that was left in it or of it were these teeth. Now the people who were responsible for his murder took these teeth away back to Belgium with them as mementos, all right? And there was a German TV documentary that was done back in 2000 involving a man by the name of Gerard Sautier, okay? Sautier was actually the police commissioner in Belgium. And during that interview, he said that he was responsible for the death and dismemberment of uh, Lumumba. And he said that he had two gold teeth belonging to Lumumba, okay? 16 years later, there was an interview with his daughter and she actually produced the tooth and held it up in a photo, basically saying, look what I have. I have the former, you know, PM's teeth here, right? There was outrage about it and eventually the tooth was actually seized by the Belgian government and a court ordered it to be returned to the family. Mm. And that's what happened just this week. So in a ceremony in Belgium, which I thought was a little bit weird, you know, sort of the Belgians controlling the narrative might have might have been a good idea to go to the DRC and do it. They handed the teeth over to uh, the sorry, the tooth over to the family uh, in a little blue box. And it's now going to be brought back to Kinshasa. And there's three days of mourning that's going to be had uh, towards the end of the month as it's buried. Uh, But it also mean effectively means Belgium is putting its hand up and saying, 
we have complete responsibility for yeah. what happened to him. So you, you, you remember that because there's been stuff going on around this for the last couple of weeks. Yeah. So the king was a king, is a King Felipe, I think is his name. The king was there earlier this month and he sort of said, oh, look, we take responsibility for the terrible things that we did over the decades and over the years in the DRC. And it's certainly our responsibility you know, that the, although he didn't say it, but he alluded to it, mm. you know, that it's in this current state because it is in a state of chaos uh, because of how we left it. Uh, we yeah. didn't leave it in a, in, in a very good, in a very good state. Yeah. Uh, I don't think they ruled it in a very good state either. No, no it was or, awful. I mean, or, or, I, mean I think when Leopold II famously was there at the end of the 19th century, 10 million people died. Um, yeah. Know. Uh, right, Mexico we're going to go to next and uh, God, this is a disturbing one. A political mm. advisor has been killed thanks to a mob that was generated by WhatsApp messages. Yeah, this is a former political advisor. Now, he's only recently retired so and he's, and he's young. He had a long career uh, ahead of him. 31-year-old Daniel Picasso. He was visiting his grandfather's house in this town in the state of Puebla. Now, the town is very isolated and... Um, you know, the, the the rule of law there would be uh, thin, shall we say, to mm-hmm. say the least. Now, that said, I mean, he apparently what happened was some rumour went around that he was involved in a child's kidnapping. Now, whether a kidnapping actually took place or not, I do not know for the life of me. And I've been yeah. trying to find out various different sources because this has been covered quite a bit, as you could imagine, uh, in that part of the world. Um, but anyway, whatever happened, it was good enough for this mob, the rumour that he had been involved in a kidnap, to go after him. He was with two companions, two friends of his. Uh, they cornered him, they beat the three of them up, but they dragged this guy away. Uh, and eventually they took him in a field, they doused him in petrol and they, they, they set him alight. Um, now, this was after the police had actually intervened. There was police there. Um, they put him into their uh, car or whatever, but they were overwhelmed by the crowd. There was about mm-hmm. 200 of them. And uh, eventually they got to him and they did this. But this was, uh, as you said, a rumour that was generated on WhatsApp. It went from person to person to person until they concluded that this was the truth and mob rule took over. That's uh, uh, that's extraordinary, really. Uh, and cause there's no evidence of where it might have come from. No. As you say, you, can't, you don't know if there's any truth to it. Yeah, I, I don't know if there was, was any truth to the, Exactly. I don't know if there was any truth to the child's <laughs> kidnapping at all. I mean, we, we know now, the latest that I've seen on it is that there's been about five or six people have been arrested. Um, so you might get to the bottom of it through through them and where mm. it came from. But these people, men, all men, were arrested um, because they were identified by video footage. The, the people who identified them were actually the victim's family. So, like, he was known in the village. I mean, he was visiting his grandfather. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, yeah. terrible. Uh, puzzling one. Now, uh, more of that. And I'm, you know, I, you wouldn't need to be a genius to predict this is going to cause massive amounts of controversy. Mm. Obviously, we're trying to cut down our dependence on Russian gas. So uh, that's the EU, I mean, by we. So where are we going, Jonathan? Well, it looks like Egypt and Israel is where we're going at the moment. Um, this was something that I actually picked up on last week. It was it was something that I'd flag, something to watch out for for this week. Mm. And uh, it's very interesting on so many very diff- different levels. So the European Commission chief, Ursula von der Leyen, they've signed an MOU, a Memorandum of Understanding with Egypt and Israel. Now, just to give you an idea, basically the oil, or sorry, the gas comes from Israel through fracking. And what's going to happen is it's going to be sent then, I think, through a pipeline to Egypt 
and it's going to go to an LNG. Okay, so that's a terminal, right? Yes, and right. from there, it's going to be transported around Europe, right? So there's there's lots of different reasons why this is important. First of all, I think the fact that Israel and Egypt are doing a deal is amazing, right? Yeah, you, you might yeah. see it as a kind of a positive thing, nearly. To be honest with you, I mean, they were the Egypt were the first country to sign a peace deal with Israel um, in 1970. Uh, and, but of course, you know, the, the Israelis were very quick to come out and say, you know, this is um, uh, this is a sta- I'll read the quote to you if I can. Actually, this is a statement to those who those who see in our region only negative forces such as division and conflict. Uh, and that comes from the Israeli energy minister. Right. She came out with that statement. Mm. So I suppose if you're, you're looking at it from that point of view, you might say, oh, well, it's a great deal. And, you know, the Egyptians yeah. and the Israelis are coming yeah. together in peace no, and no, harmony. Egypt, to a certain extent, has always been, say, complicit in, in, in containing the Gaza Strip, for instance. Y- yeah. Uh, they, you y- know, they have a part to play there. Yeah, too. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I mean, no no doubt about it. But but in terms of the popular move, doing mm. the deal with Israel in Egypt s- still is not yes, OK yes. With, with, with lots of people. Yeah. Then there's the other side of it, which is the very questionable human rights records of both countries, right? Yeah. So you're talking about women being thrown in jail in Egypt for TikTok videos and I don't need to talk about Israel. Yeah. Uh, however controversial that might be, it's just simply the case, right? Yeah. Um, and so, you know, it's like you're going from, you know, a despot to in Russia and you're looking all of a sudden over to Egypt and Israel and everything's OK now. Um, the, and, and so, the, like, is, is it the commission who, who makes these deals or, or who actually makes them? Well, I imagine if it, it went through the European Parliament, then there might be a few objections raised. Well, you would. You would think so. All right. Yeah, yeah. But as far as I know, it's, it's Thunderbirds are go and uh, nothing's going to stop it. Yeah. And... Also, probably the least important point, but at the same time, fracking is banned in many European countries. Yeah. Yet this gas is being produced by fracking yeah. in, in in Israel. Yeah, which is a, which is a small detail that I only just discovered before coming in. To be honest with you, that's not being sort of said in in lots of these reports. So it's been like the way it's been reported in lots of newspapers is it's being heralded as a great thing. Yeah, and they're not necessarily asking the questions about the human rights and the fracking and. The other side of it. Is it has Israel got a lot of gas? Uh, it does apparently. Yes, I mean it, it. It'll it'll eat into the forty percent anyway for sure. I mean, mm. I I think it's it's sixteen six hundred and ninety billion cubic meters uh, between the two of them. I yeah. think. So I I don't know if that's a lot, but it sounds a lot. It does. Um, well, they have enough to sell. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And and it's enough to go to the trouble of making a deal with Egypt and and the EU over. So they're obviously doing well out of it. Now I should say, if we if we have time, that Egypt are are getting food vouchers, for want of a better way of putting it, about a hundred million dollars worth from mm. the European Union. So a bit of a sweetener there, because they're suffering very badly from the lack of grain yes, coming yes. from Ukraine. So they right. really need that. Otherwise, there'll be major upheaval um, in that country, quite possibly. I mean, that's mm. how an awful lot of some aspects of the Arab, Arab Spring happened 11 years ago now. So Right. So, so the, the, if you like, it's not it, it's not the case, is it, that Israel is paying Egypt to refine its gas, which is then sold to the European Union. The European Union is paying Egypt and Israel separately. I, I, th- I think so, but it seems to be all part of the same deal. So an, yes. awful, lot oh, of the yeah. Detail, yeah. an awful lot of the details aren't coming out, but the three of them are, are working together on it. Now, I don't know exactly how much gas we're going to be the EU are going to be, I mean, we are in the EU, are going to be getting off them, to be honest with you. Um, 
But as you said, yeah. you know, I it's think an interesting it's one. It's interesting. bound to be controversial. Yeah. My yeah. God, it's bound to be controversial. Right. Uh, Kurdistan will go to uh, next. And uh, a police officer there has been arrested. What for? Drug trafficking, would you believe? Now, oh. this, is a, a, this, is, it, this happened in Kurdistan, but it happened to a Tajik police officer, right? Himself and a friend were arrested in a part of uh, Kyrgyzstan with 31 kilograms of an unidentified drug in their possession, right? Now, it's interesting on a, on a few levels. It's interesting because obviously it's a police officer who's, who's uh, trafficking drugs. Now, that's not necessarily something new, to be honest with you, mm. right? Um, it's also interesting because it involves quite a few countries. He, according to the Kyrgyz uh, Interior Ministry, um, you know, these, he was a member of a gang that was operating across Afghanistan, Kazakhstan, Tajikistan and Kyrgyz, Kyrgyzstan. Yes. Sorry, OK. <laughs> uh, the stands yeah. are tongue twister. They sure are. So um, it's interesting in that respect, but also it's interesting within the context of what's going on between the two countries at the moment. Right. There's mm. major border disputes that have been going on for years, actually. But there was a soldier shot dead. Um, just last week. This was a Tajik soldier, 26-year-old border guard, uh, who was shot in a shootout with Kyrgyz border guards a day before this Tajik uh, police officer was arrested. Yeah. Right? So the two of them, some some people are suggesting, might well be related. Um, Mm. And there's a thought that uh, perhaps this traffic police officer was set up. Then again, what was he doing in Kyrgyzstan? Um, you know, he doesn't have the authority to be operating there. Yeah. And are, are drugs an issue in Kyrgyzstan much? Or is it known? Well, I think drugs are an issue everywhere in that part of the world. Like, I mean, there's some, I don't know about Kyrgyzstan specifically, but like, like if, we, if we can, if I can go off on a major tangent here yeah. and, and talk about Iran, heroin is a massive problem in, in Iran that not many people think about. Yes. Yeah. Uh, huge. So I assume that it is here and in Pakistan actually as well. Mm. Not people, many people don't think it is because, you know, oh, these conservative places, they don't do drugs, but of yeah. course they do. And a lot of it would be coming from Afghanistan. And loads yeah. of it coming from Afghanistan. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me, right, Russia we're going to go to next and uh, a US basketball player still there. She's still there, yeah. I don't know if you've been following this story of Brittany Griner. Um, she's a 31-year-old uh, professional basketball player. People who, are, who watch the basketball in the Olympics will know her. She's extremely tall and mm. extremely talented at what, as what she does. As, and she was qu- quite outspoken as well. She was a, an absolute star of a couple of um, uh, Olympic teams. Uh, and I remember watching her well myself. Um so she plays for a team in the women's NBA called Phoenix Mercury. But in the off-season, she plays in Russia. And she had finished her season in Russia just before the war broke out. And she was arrested for mm. drug possession. Yeah. So the authorities there basically said that they found a vape on her. And in that vape, they found some cannabis oil. And they've arrested her. And she could go to prison for up to 10 years, would you believe? Mm. Um, now, it was thought initially that she'd be let go, um, but she hasn't been. And indeed, her detention has been extended until at least the 2nd of July. So it's causing major problems um, diplomatically, as you can imagine. It's getting a lot of coverage in the United States as well. Yeah. And is there, there's no indication from the Russian side of, you know, maybe we'd like something to send her home again. <laughs> there is oh, such cynicism, Sean. Yeah. <laughs> there, there, there is, uh, there's commentary that, you know, that, that she could be used as leverage uh, yeah. to some extent uh, as it goes on. But but what they want in return 
exactly who knows yeah indeed right so things we should look out for over the next week or so John yeah so Saturday will be the 13th year since the death of Michael Jackson would you believe I can't Mm. believe it's 13 years already and then Sunday in Berlin uh, the G7 summit takes place so uh, that'll be interesting to see uh, what happens there yeah indeed Jonathan thanks Thanks, a million as ever Jonathan DeBurka Butler there